The world of financial services always, always boils down to consumer economics and how conditions affect the average American, not just the stock market or the housing market or the credit market, but people. So how do smart financial institutions take those connections to bridge gaps of financial literacy? To find out, we'll talk with Robert Frick, corporate economist for Navy Federal Credit Union. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that will help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carloso, the managing editor at BAI. Come on in. SageWorks offers banks and credit unions lending, credit risk, and portfolio risk software. By automating the life of the loan with SageWorks, bankers book loans faster and reduce risk. SageWorks provides integrated solutions to more than 1,300 financial institutions. For more information, visit sageworks.com. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. And once again, great to have you here with us. Coming in from just outside Washington, D.C., we have Robert Frick. Robert is the corporate economist for Navy Federal Credit Union. Previously, he served as a newspaper business editor. Hello, kindred spirit. (laughs) And a senior editor for more than 15 years at Kiplinger's Personal Finance Magazine. Then as editorial director of a finance publishing firm. An expert in behavioral economics, Frick has published more than 50 articles on the subject and has worked as a researcher, writer, and speaker for the Allianz Center for Behavioral Finance. And Robert, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Now, Navy Federal Credit Union recently released a report based on a survey of customers in relation to attitudes and behaviors towards saving and investing. How much money do consumers have in their savings accounts and how much do consumers think they should have prior to investing? I think our average came out to around 50000 but Most people don't have nearly that much money in savings. When you look at kind of a lower tier of income, it's down around $5,000. Our members tend to be good savers, but there are a lot of studies that show that only 40% of the lowest income Americans don't have any money in their savings account. Wow. So it becomes a question of, and I preach this all the time, let's not forget that there's still a large segment of America where savings and investing just isn't even a possibility. That said, people generally think that they need about $5,000 before they can start an investment program. That to me seems low because I think people should have about six months of their income solidly socked away in savings before they get into investing. How do you make a more meaningful connect between those people who are just breaking even or have no savings and the investment they really need to do? Well, we have a tremendous education program and our members take advantage of it quite a bit. We talk about all kinds of different ways to save. We have all these different savings products. People can automatically you know, put money from their paycheck into savings. So we make it easy. And that's the key. You mentioned that I've done a lot of writing and worked in behavioral finance. Easy is the key. If you want to get people to do something financially, you've essentially got to remove all friction. 
and we do a good job of that. Other financial institutions do as well, of course. I'd correct you. You don't do a good job at it. You do a great job at it. And well, yeah, <laughs> I'll brag for you. How's that? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I won't disagree with you. Now, connected to that, there's this question of investment knowledge and a lot of consumers feeling at best bashful and at worst really bad about how much knowledge they lack. What initiatives are you taking to better educate the customer base? People are intimidated by investing. They think they need a lot of knowledge. As you said, I worked at Kiplinger's for 15 years. Most of my work was done in investing, and I suggested portfolios, and I would evaluate mutual funds and meet with fund managers and that sort of thing. I would design portfolios for people. Here's the thing. That's making it hard. If you're really interested in investing, yeah, you want to go to that trouble. You want to pick your own funds. Investing these days is incredibly easy. You can buy a target date fund. You can buy what I call a portfolio in a box in which a good mutual fund company like a Vanguard or a T. Rowe Price or a Fidelity they do all the work for you. They put it all together. And you don't have to worry about rebalancing. You don't have to worry about high fees. You don't have to worry about when the market goes up or down. These are the products that I recommend. At Navy Federal, we have a lot of innovative things that we do. We have a subsidiary, NFFG, Navy Federal Financial Group. And they've come up with a cool kind of an app, kind of this investing plan in which people can very easily get into saving in some index funds, and also choosing some individual stocks. Now, we're also seeing wage growth starting to rise. How might this be impacting the way consumers are saving, and in particular, paying down debt? Well, the problem with wages is wages have been rising gradually, but inflation has been rising faster. So real wages, you know, wages deducting inflation, they're at zero right now. So overall, America is not getting a raise. Hopefully, as the labor market continues to tighten, that'll change because at this point in an expansion, wages generally are a lot higher. So that's one of my concerns. People are spending at a pretty good clip. People aren't saving at all right now or barely at all. I think the savings rate is down around 2%. That's actually not as bad as it sounds because if people have a good job. Credit is pretty easy for them. They tend not to save. So saving is not a big priority. Ironically, when a recession comes, all of a sudden people go, "Uh uh-oh, I better start saving now. There's also the question of interest rates rising and changes to U.S. monetary policy. How do you expect that's going to influence consumer behavior? Well, it's funny because interest rates were so low for so long that people got used to this really unusual environment, certainly nothing that we've seen in our lifetimes, but it doesn't take long for people to get a new normal. And so everybody was so used to these low rates, especially for millennials, they thought this is how it should always be. I can get a mortgage you know, for three and a quarter percent forever. Now rates have started to rise. The Fed has started to increase rates and the economy is perking up. And so now rates are above, for mortgages, 4%. And 4%, I'm told by our mortgage people, was kind of a freakout threshold for a lot of people. When in fact, historically, we have to get around 5.5%, 6% before we're at a historical average for mortgages. So 
first, when it comes to mortgages, people should not freak out. Mortgage rates are still historically low. They're not preventing anybody from buying a house right now. Savings rates are ticking up, led by online banks and credit unions. Commercial banks have been slow to increase their rates, as often happens. Right now, interest rates are still low, even though they're above the almost nothing that people have been paying for years. It's going to take another three or four hikes, I think, before interest rates really start to affect consumer credit and consumer spending. Because at that point, we'll just be around a percentage point higher than we are now. And that's kind of on the low end of average for interest rates. What's particularly rewarding in terms of what you get to do every day and how it makes a difference for consumers? Thank you for that question, because I don't get asked that a lot. I talk a lot to the media, as you know, and comment on housing prices and the employment rate. You know, consumer economics basically is what I do. What I think gets lost in the discussion is it's framed as how is this going to affect the stock market or how is this going to affect Fed policy? And very seldom, it seems, do people talk about how is this going to affect the average American? And that's one of my jobs, self-appointed, is I always want to take the news and relate it to how is this going to affect people? Are people really going to be hurt by interest rates? Well, my answer now is no. Wages are going up. That's good, right? Well, my answer is, you know, not really because of inflation. But there are a lot of positives that I get to talk about. Certainly, the unemployment rate going down is a tremendous boon for people. I just wrote an op-ed piece about if you want a big raise, you should think about moving. If wages aren't high where you live, there are plenty of states across the country where you can get essentially a massive raise and change the trajectory of your life. So relating economics and the news to what the average American is experiencing, that's the best part of my job. And moving, what an original creative way to think of changing the wage equation. You've made things crystal clear. You've related it back to the consumer, back to people. Really appreciate the time that you've taken with us today, Robert. Enjoyed this immensely. Oh, me too. Thanks for having me on. Robert Frick is a corporate economist for Navy Federal Credit Union. He is based just outside Washington, D.C. You can look for Robert on LinkedIn, and he encourages you to check out his Twitter feed. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, many studies show that 40% of the lowest income people have no savings, break even, or are in debt. By contrast, many people believe they can sacrifice a $5,000 buffer to invest when in reality, what's needed is six months income socked away. With less than that, fractional investing from a paycheck is the way to go. Easy is the key word, removing all friction for people to put money away from paycheck to savings. Number two, financial institutions too often take for granted that people are afraid to invest. They're intimidated. They think they need abundant knowledge and they don't know where to begin. It's a teaching opportunity that investing these days is simpler than ever through target date funds or portfolios in a box where reputable investment firms do the heavy lifting. Navy Federal Financial Group's Easy Start is an example, an app-based investment tool that allows people to very simply purchase broad index funds or stocks. 
And number three, today's consumers are experiencing a wage problem. Income is rising, but inflation is rising faster. America is not getting a raise. But a tight job market may change this, even as savings rates are low at 2%. Meanwhile, pay attention to how consumers spend and utilize credit and make purchases as they go. Don't miss our immersive annual event, BAI Beacon, which takes place in Orlando, Florida, October 9th through 11th. It takes a team to transform an organization, and each team member has their own area of expertise that's critical to the effort. At BAI Beacon, you can find the topics most relevant to your individual role and regroup at the end of the day with fresh perspective and ideas. To find out more, visit BAIBeacon.com. And now BAI Banking Strategies brings you the AHA Moment, where our podcast guest shines a light on that point in time where realization, revelation, or exploration made all the difference in their financial services career. Often, the key moment for a financial professional comes when you're trying to wrap your head around an impossible problem. In this case, why people make the same mistakes in personal finance over and over again. Enter behavioral finance and a new way of thinking about how to help consumers. A game changer for them and for Robert Frick. Listen. 2003-2004, I've been working for Kiplingers for about five years. And I just couldn't wrap my head around why people were making the same mistakes over and over again with their personal finances. And this new field of study, behavioral finance, really started to become more popular then. And it started to answer the questions and explain why people didn't save like they should, let their credit run wild. And it changed my thinking. It changed what I would recommend. It changed how I would recommend it. I did write dozens and dozens of articles, and I worked in the field. Right now at Navy Federal, we have an initiative to bring some behavioral finance techniques to help serve our customers better. So that's the thing that changed really the course of my career and has made me a lot more useful as an advisor and as just someone who talks about investments and economics. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. And here are a few reminders from yours truly and your friends at BAI. First of all, if you haven't done so, subscribe to our daily newsletter. It's free to sign up. And be sure to check out our ever-growing archive of podcasts. Also, be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter to stay up to date on BAI's latest and greatest. You can catch me on LinkedIn. Be sure to connect. I'm Lou Carloso, the managing editor at BAI. We'll see you soon. So long.